This podcast is brought to you by public.com, the investing social network. Public is a free app where you can own the companies you believe in and share ideas in a community of investors. There are a few investing apps out there, but here's what's different about public. There are social features that allow people to share and discover new ideas, and the app supports responsible investing habits, so they don't encourage day trading, nor do they offer margin accounts or options. Features like safety labels on potentially risky stocks give members more complete context. Public has also opted out of payment for order flow, so they don't sell your trades to third parties. Public's community is about 40% women and 45% people of color, so its members come from all sorts of backgrounds and walks of life. Conversations on public span deep dives into new IPOs, as well as general insights on financial wellness and category trends. You can even use group chats to build investing clubs with your friends. Head over to public.com to sign up and start with a free slice of stock. Get going with as little as $1, and if you're looking to transfer your portfolio over from another brokerage, they'll even cover fees for accounts valued at over $150. Some fine print, valid for U.S. residents 18 years and older, and subject to account approval. See public.com slash disclosures. Hi, everyone. It's Julie Verhage Greenberg here with your Tux Time podcast from Fintech Today, where we talk about all things fintech. In this episode, I am joined by Koki Haziotis, who has been on a little bit of a, a hiatus as she's been vacationing and catching up and whatnot. So we are honored to have her back here. Koki, how are you? How is your time off? Uh, time off was great, Jules. I'm so happy to be back. And I just saw Tux, so I'm in like a great mood. <laughs> Amazing. He has that effect on people. He's so uh, good. So we actually have one other guest here too, Jordan Greenberg, uh, my husband, also FTT head of ad sales is going to be joining us to talk about our first topic since he has dove quite into the world of crypto. He came on to talk to us before about NFTs, these non-fungible tokens. And today he's going to talk to us a little bit about Dogecoin. And I'm going to have Koki go back and forth with him on this because I think that's a fun conversation. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. Long time, buddy. I know, Koki. How are you? Yeah, great. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Thanks. It's Congrats nice to see you. on your you. new couch. <laughs> yeah, thanks. I was a little bit frustrated to get rid of my bachelor pad couch. I thought it was great and still had some life ahead of it. But Jesus. at the same time, I'm happy to have this new one. I'm just so glad you married well so that that could be beaten out of you. I think I married up. Yeah. 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 Um, so talk to me about Doge because I haven't been paying attention. As Julie said, I've been off and I'm tan, as you can see, but um, I'm not paying attention to Doge. So you talk to me. Congratulations on the tan, first of all. Thank you. I, I appreciate think it. In a year of meme stocks and meme lords, it seems as though Dogecoin is kind of the next step in this succession plan. Uh, we had AMC, we had GME going to the moon. And now it seems as though Doge is the next target. Uh, and that's largely propped up by the meme lord himself, Elon Musk. Uh, I, rem <laughs> I remember a couple months ago, Julie and I were still in New York at this point, and we were sitting down. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to buy some Dogecoin. I think I'm going to take three or $400. I'm going to buy some Doge because I think that this is going to be the next one that gets propped up. 
And no sooner did I say that than I got publicly shamed on Twitter <laughs> and was berated in front of my friends and family. And that $300 would be worth a lot of money these days because people like Elon Musk have been tweeting out pictures of the Shibu Inu. Mark Cuban has recently come out and said that you can buy tickets to the Mavs game, you can buy concessions and memorabilia with Doge in Dallas. Uh, and it seems as though with this run that cryptocurrency is making, Dogecoin has kind of been a beneficiary of that as well. Yeah. And you know, I'm super pro crypto, generally speaking, like, and I love that, like, no one can stop it. Like with, with GME, obviously, like people, like the government shut it down <laughs> and like Robinhood shut it down. Um, I like that it can't be stopped, but I'm very wary of trend buys. Um, I'll, I'll make an analogy for you. Uh, if you ever were to look into my closet, uh, everything is three colors, black, white, or gray, um, could be fit into almost any time period and any situation. Uh, I'm very, very wary of trend buys. Um, so like same kind of principle going to Dogecoin. I'm like, no, I'm probably not going to touch that. I, I like safe investments. Also, it kind of like, why would I pay for things with my investments? Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like scan a card to my Vanguard account if I was buying chips. Like, why would I do that? That's my lifeline. Um, so that's kind of not that sexy to me. Uh, like I went on, I recently, I've been bitching about this for months. Julie already knows. Uh, I had a, my dresser was broken. So I bought a new one. I impulse bought a new one on overstock.com shout out. Um, and they could take Bitcoin. And I was like, why would I pay for this in Bitcoin? Like it was like a $250 dresser. I did not spend very much. Why would I pay for it in something that could be worth like literally $5,000 in a week? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no. Why? Yeah, I, I hear you there. I think the other part of that is that it's a taxable event as well. So not only right. are you losing out on something that could be worth much more in a week or even a day, judging by how crypto moves these days, but you're also going to incur some capital gains tax on that as well, which is absolutely insane. Um, Doge, yeah, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> that's a no, yeah. Doge, you know, is a lot, it's just a little bit different in my mind. I think there, there's a big community that's associated with Doge that's been there from the early, the early days when it was worth, you know, a thousandth of a, of a penny. Um, and it seems as though they've followed it up until this point. Uh, my big fear is that this is going to turn into a big Jordan Belfort pump and dump scheme. Oh my God. Uh, at the time of recording this, I think today is 420, which to a lot of people out there Shout is out. somewhat of a national holiday um, <laughs> for various reasons. And I think that today has also been declared on Twitter uh, Doge Day. I think it's in an effort for the community to, to pump this coin up as high as they can. Um, I think at the time of recording, it's also the fifth most valuable uh, crypto out there, which is insane because this coin was basically founded as a joke. <laughs> yeah. Right? There, I used to no... own some do Doge, and I'd be very rich right now if I had held on to that. I had like 40 bucks of it two years ago. Really? I know that would probably be worth, you know, enough to send your kids to college these days. Honestly. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's it. It's going to be interesting to see where the coin ends up on Doge Day. 
and if it comes crashing back to Earth anytime soon, it looks like a rocket ship. Um, but whenever something seems too good to be true, I think you always need to be wary. Mm-hmm. So take this with a grain of salt. Be careful out there. Uh, don't take your life savings and pump it into Doge. Always uh, make smart decisions. Yeah, my kind of like vibe is like if it, I don't know why this this kind of like movement of like let's all rally around one stock or one coin or whatever feels very much like an MLM. I don't know why they have the same energy, but they have the same energy, and that's what I'm sticking with. I think that's right. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. I will come back. But we're sticking with a similar topic, though, aren't we, Koki? Yeah, it kind of brings us to our next point. I just went on a somewhat lengthy rant about paying for things with crypto, but now you can pay for WeWork with crypto, um, which just feels like a big no way to me. Um, And not for the reasons previously stated, either. It reminds me of when I think it was like 2017 during the fit first crypto run up when a bunch of companies were adding things like blockchain and Bitcoin to their names and seeing mm-hmm. their stock surge. It feels like WeWork's doing something like, hey, everyone else is getting into crypto. So why don't we like get into crypto too? Like it's the thing like Musk is allowing people to pay for Teslas with crypto. Like why can't we allow people to pay for their office building with crypto, which I don't think no one will use it. There might be people out there, especially tech entrepreneurs that made a shitload of money on crypto and want to take some profits and they might as well do it by paying for a WeWork because maybe there's some sort of tax deduction that they can do it versus the capital gains tax they would have with it just alone. Um, I'd have to dive more into that. So I think you're right though. Like most people are not going to pay for their WeWork like this. Yeah, I also just like don't want to give WeWork more reasons to be sketchy. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah. Y'all are already I, sketchy. <laughs> I don't have need you, more incentive. Have you watched um, the WeWork documentary yet? No, I have a life, Julie. Hey, I've watched half of it and then life took over <laughs> and I couldn't finish the other half yet, but it's on my agenda and it's really fascinating so far. So for anyone as well, obviously they do not talk about crypto in it because that would, the documentary was filmed a while ago and they just announced that they were going to allow people to pay with crypto. But it's, um, I think anyone on the podcast, especially those that are entrepreneurial or work for small companies, it's, it's good for them to listen to that too. Little side note there on the WeWork saga, but I, I do find it fascinating that more and more people, more and more companies are allowing people to pay uh, for things, for services with crypto. I hope there's some agency or consultancy that does some sort of research on this so we can get a better idea of how many people, companies are actually paying with crypto. Yeah, shout out to everyone who does that because I'd like to read it. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, we, <laughs> we let's see, the some ways that we could figure it out. If WeWork does go public through a SPAC, you would get some financials, so they might disclose something around it in there. Um, also, you, you can get a little bit on Square. It's largely, even on Square, though, people aren't using the Bitcoin uh, availability on there to pay for their coffee. They're using it to like buy and hold Bitcoin or send mm-hmm. Bitcoin to a friend. Um, so, I, I mean, I would love more data on this though. And I think a lot of places would in that it would help them decide whether or not they should add crypto services. I just got an email from Venmo this morning saying that I can now buy and sell crypto on Venmo's app, sort of like you can, you've been able to with Cash App for a while. Yeah, it's... um. That's actually cool, but it, it is actually a harder process than you think to accept crypto as a payment. Um, 
I've gone through it once before for one of my previous employers and pain in the ass, huge pain in the ass. Like you basically have to use a separate provider than you're using to collect payments um, already, Um. but then you have to integrate them together. Um, And it's pretty rare that you can get it in one package. Either way, it sucks. Um, That's that's my update. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would also imagine, I mean... It makes sense because even someone like a Stripe, when they were just getting started, they didn't accept every single payment method on Stripe. Right. You had to continuously keep adding to it. So it makes sense. There's a lot of ACH rails and others that are not able to um, provide Bitcoin services yet. I think MasterCard or Visa or someone's working on making this better. So it's definitely starting. It'll be interesting to see this like new wave and new era of crypto. A big analogy day for me, apparently. I've already made one, but here we go. Here's another. Uh, trying to add like a payment rail to something that you already have. So say you're adding like, you know, uh, Amex functionality. It's like, you know, putting a train on the tracks. That's more or less easy enough to do. It's kind of pain in the ass, but it'll do. Um, trying to add Bitcoin, which is a totally different rail, is kind of like putting a car on train tracks. It's like, sort of. Mm. But not really. Um, And this could go badly. So like you're actually dealing with different pieces of infrastructure that need to be merged together to provide an end user an experience with like multiple options. But yeah, big analogy day for me. Please uh, at me on Twitter and tell me to shut up because I deserve it. (laughs) No, 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 no. I find it fascinating. I'm sure we will be talking more about this era of fintech and this segment of fintech in the months to come. Um, mm. One other story I really want to dive into, and there, there's partly personal reasons involved in oh this story. Yes. Sto- I have a story to go with it. So Lemonade, the insurance company that went public last year through an IPO, not a SPAC or direct listing, um, that started out as just renters, renters insurance and homeowners insurance, although it was mostly renters because it's very millennial focused and whatnot. I think like five or 10% was homeowners for a long time. I haven't looked at the recent numbers. It's probably a bit higher than that, but then they launched pet insurance and then recently term life insurance in the first half of this year. Um, now they are announcing that they're getting into car insurance, which my story here. I have interviewed the CEO, Dan, a number of times, and I remember mentioning car insurance to him, and he's like, oh, no, like, we're believers that people aren't going to own cars in the future. It's very not important to us. Um, We don't think it would be a big thing. And I think he wasn't wrong in that mindset, but I think he was wrong given everything that's happened in the past year. Mm -hmm. You've seen so many millennials and other people flock to the suburbs, move to new cities. Hello, me here in Austin, where it's it's fairly walking friendly, but you need a car. Um, And others, even like you that are in New York that recently bought vehicles, just because you've realized the importance of getting out of the city, getting fresh air, being able to drive to visit people. so I find this is like the perfect example of the world shifting and a startup reacting to that. Yeah, um, I just wanted to, you can see I have my phone up. I wanted to check because remember last summer when I was trying to get car insurance and I was like crying every day, so I called you. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, why doesn't Lemonade offer it? And you're like, I know, it's so annoying. I wish Lemonade offered it. So you and I predicted this. Um, also, when you search Lemonade in my text, um, my mom texted me, do you like Lemonade, Beyonce's new CD in 2016? So um, a lot to talk about there. But yeah, I uh, I just think it's a natural progression. So many people bought cars. So many unlikely people bought cars. Like I am not the only New Yorker I know who bought a car in the pandemic. Um, 
but yeah, I just, there just needed to be an easier way. Also like price of insurance is steep for a non-car owner. Like first time car owner, I'm like, I'm still paying like upwards of $200 a month. Um, cause I don't have any like insurance credit. So if they can bring that down, even like 3%, I would be thrilled. Yeah. And it also makes sense in that a lot of insurance companies allow people to bundle their insurance products together to save more money. And that makes it so they get not only renter's insurance from you, but they get homeowners. Eventually they get your car insurance. They have a pet or two and they do pet insurance for you. You have other offerings in there like. I don't even know a slew of things, but that's I, bundling is a really big deal in insurance. So this makes you knew they had to get into other things. Eventually, it was just a matter of like, OK, like what order of priority are all of them in? Yeah, I was kind of shook that they went for pet insurance first, but that was actually probably a great move, given that everyone got a pandemic dog. That was another pandemic move right there. Pet and car insurance. And Lorenzo, if you're listening, I still very much would like a pet and I would love it if you bought me one. So now you can get insurance on lemonade um, just (laughs) as an additional point. Well, and the Peloton that you want, you could add on very easily to your lemonade renter's insurance policy. So yes, Lorenzo, if I could also have a Peloton, that would be great. I wish you listened to this podcast. (laughs) I think you need to start getting him to. <laughs> I'm gonna, no, this one I'm going to send him. We'll see how I do. I'll report back. Yeah, be babe. Second half of the podcast. I think you should at least listen to that half. There's some good info and in in. in there. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think it, it's fascinating to see what they've been doing. I, I haven't seen other insurance companies expand into car insurance yet that didn't start out with car insurance. We have things like Metro Mile, which is an auto insurance company where you effectively it's for people that drive but don't drive very far or very often. And you can pay on a per mile basis versus just paying a set upfront cost. Uh, I'd be, I'd actually be interested to see how that model is doing given the recent, um, pandemic shift as well. I'm sure that changed a few things in their business model. Yeah. I'm actually, I was kind of interested in that one to begin with, but now I'm so glad I didn't get it. Cause it, it would deter me from using the car I paid for. Um, I think, cause I've had to like emergency go up to Maine like four times in the last year. And that's like a hefty drive. That's six hours from New York. And like, I don't know how many miles I'm not good at that, but yeah, I, I think that, that that would have been a deterrent for me, and I'm kind of interested to see how that's working. Yeah, I, I'm glad to hear your laundry is done in the background, too. You've had a very Thank productive you. morning, I see. <laughs> yes, the sheets will be clean tonight. Again, Lorenzo, a pet and a Peloton. This is a good girl right here, too. I did laundry for, for Jordan yesterday, and that's why he treats me so well. So, Lorenzo, mm-hmm. take your tips here. <laughs> take your tips. Um, that is it for today's episode of FinTech Today's Tux Time, though. Join me again next week. Um, otherwise, we'll we'll have Koki back next week as well. It's great having you back again. Don't go on vacation anytime soon. We miss you too much. <laughs> okay, I won't, but I am going to my parents on Sunday, but I promise I'll still be on the show. All right, I accept that then. As long as you go somewhere with good Wi-Fi and you can log on at 8, 9.30. It's 8.30 my time, Central Time. 9.30 Eastern Time. We're good. We're good. <laughs> It'll be 6.30 Arizona time, so just bless up. You love us so much that you can do that. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thank you, Koki. I'll see everyone else again next time. Thanks, Jules. Thanks, Jordan. Much love, guys. <laughs>